Turn with me please in the scriptures to the book of uh, Hebrews, book of Hebrews and the 8th chapter and verse 10. He said, this is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I'll be to them a God and they'll be to me a people. They'll not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. For they will, for they, for all, excuse me, shall know me from the least to the greatest. The prophecy was that in the time of the new covenant, the time in which we live, they'd not tell everybody, you know, let me tell you about the Lord and what he's like and and how to know the Lord. He said, they will all know me. He's talking about they will all know me personally and individually from the very least to the greatest. They will all know me. And with that question, one of the greatest reasons why We've got a new and a better covenant than the first and the old covenant is because we can know him personally. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit on Friday night and how he's our comforter and our helper. And Jesus said concerning him when he was about to leave, he told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. Well, they they had a hard time accepting that, but how could it be, what could be better than being with Jesus and traveling with Jesus and eating with Jesus and sitting and hearing Jesus teach and preach. What could be better than that? People look back longingly sometimes and say, oh man, I wish I could have been with Peter and and John and those guys. Man, wouldn't that just be the best? According to Jesus, no. According to him, we got the best. A lot of people don't believe that. But if you believe what he said you do, What's better than being around Jesus is having the Spirit of Jesus in you 24-7. And not just, you know, uh, asking Peter what Jesus is like or asking John to tell us what Jesus is like, but knowing him for yourself. Can you say amen? amen? Look in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, please. Hebrews 11, verse 6, well, let me read verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch, we're told, we're not told too much about how he pleased God. We know it was faith, but Genesis tells us that he walked with God. And he did it by faith. Now, the Lord, without going into a lot of detail, because we've got some places to get to this morning. The Lord doesn't reveal himself to everybody. In fact, Isaiah says he's a God who hides himself. You can say, huh? Yeah. To people who don't believe in him and don't care for him, 
To them it is like there is no God. He is not revealing himself to those that don't believe in him. When people say, well, seeing is believing, that's when you're not going to see anything. (laughs) That is not right. The truth is, when you believe first, then you see after. You don't say, God, prove to me you exist, or or to people, prove to me there is a God. Prove to me that he exists, and maybe I'll accept it. Well, no, you can just be ignorant and perish. No. Who are you to tell God how to do it? If he so chose, he could stick his face in the sky right over here and fill up the whole area covering the gulf. And say, hey, (laughs) it's me. I'm real. And there wouldn't be one atheist or agnostic or skeptic around. But But there'd be no faith involved in that. Right? And anybody can say, yeah, well, there he is. He purposely is not doing that. Now there come a time when he's going. There's going to be a trumpet and there's going to be a sound. He's going to come back and. But for now, he purposely has set it up so that you can choose to believe or you can choose not to. And when people say, "I just, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm an educated person. I just can't believe that." That's not true. Neither one's true. First of all, you're not nearly as educated as you think you are. If you had some sense, you'd believe in God. Period. But secondly, it's no such thing as you can't believe it. The truth is you choose not to believe it. Faith is a choice. Aren't you glad you have chosen to believe? Man. People said, oh, you're just... You're just ignorant and superstitious. Leave me alone. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm having a good life. (laughs) (laughs) But no. Religion is not my crutch. And it is not a delusion. It is reality. There is a creator. And he's good. And if you're going to come to him, it is not optional. You must believe that he exists. And you must believe something about his character, that he's a good God, he's a rewarder. That when you reach out to him, he reaches back. When you believe in him and love him, he responds. When you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And he does. He does. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, Enoch walked with God. And he did this by faith. And if you're going to walk with God, you have to agree with him. Amos 3.3 says this, can two walk together except they be agreed. And we've started already in previous times talking about getting to know him, loving what he loves, hating what he hates, sharing his priorities and his values. If you hate what somebody loves and you despise what they treasure, 
how are y'all going to get along and stay together, right, and walk together? Well, you're not. How are you going to walk with God? You, in order to walk with Him and fellowship with Him, you have to treasure what He treasures, value what He values, love what He loves. Look with me in uh, Mark 11. Mark 11 and about verse 15. Now, we've already said this, and if this is your first time to be with us, we've already covered a lot of ground. So if you want to catch up, uh, you can go online and download the previous messages, video, audio. You can go back in the back and get a CD, DVD. It won't cost you anything. And get caught up. We've already covered a lot of ground. But one of the things we touched on and talked about is how that God has been so misrepresented. You talk about maligning someone's character. Everything, you know, everything in the world has been done in the name of God. And people have said, God's like this, and God can't stand this, and God loves this, and God won't do this, and God. Just because somebody said God this or that does not mean it's that way. Just because a preacher said it doesn't mean it's true. Or that it's that way. Here's the good news. You can know him for yourself. You can know him well enough for yourself. That when somebody tells you something that's off the wall about him. You'll say whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you talking about? That's not him. But so many people don't know him. So that when people say God is this way. They, they just say well, okay. You know they don't know him. Whether he's really like that or he's not. There's only one sure measure and standard. It's the book. Right? If, if the book, the Bible, if it says he's this way, then he's that way. Right? And it never changes. And we need to feed on this word continuously because... Every one of these words, these phrases, these verses, these stories, these accounts, these experiences, every one of them has something that will enlighten you to, so that you can see something right. You can perceive it right. In a situation, you'll know which way to go with it. We see Jesus demonstrate something he did not like in this passage. And so if he doesn't like it, how about us? We don't like it either. If he treasures it, if it's important to him, how about us? It's important to us. Why? Because we're with him. Right? Come on, somebody say, I'm with him. <laughs> so if you don't like him, you're going to have a problem with me. Right? Because I'm with him. Whatever he likes, I like. Even if my head says, you don't like it, I say, shut up, head. <laughs> He's right. If he likes it, I like it. You can say it by faith. I delight to do your will, O God. Even if your flesh is going, ooh, we can't do that. I'm never doing it. Say, shut up, shut up. If he likes it, I like it. If he says we're doing it, then here we go. We're doing it. <laughs> I was just sure about 12 years ago I was not a pastor. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'd been in the ministry, you know, for nearly 20 years, and 
I thought I had a little bit of a line on what my call was and what I was supposed to do. And it was not pastoring. It was a number of other things, but it wasn't. I respected that, that office and that ministry, but that, that wasn't me. In fact, after about 18 years in the ministry, Phyllis and I were on vacation one day. We were actually standing by a lake shore. And I looked at her and I said, you ever thought about pastoring? She said, no. I said, me neither. <laughs> and that was the whole conversation. We were like, well, we got that settled, you know. Because so. <laughs> we were happy and we had a lot to do otherwise. But uh, some whatever, you know, 11, 12 years ago, the Lord began to minister to me that, that he wanted me to pastor. Boy, my head had a time with that. And I thought, huh? Whoa, what? What? Pastor? And finally I realized it, and I thought, well, and, and I thought, well, how can that be with this? And some people had told me that I wasn't and I couldn't and this and the other, and I labored with it too long, and finally the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, quit trying to figure this out and just do what I told you. Amen. I thought, yes, sir. That's exactly right. If he says I am, then I am. Right? I am. How about you? If he says, you know, now listen, this is a word from the Lord. There are people in this place right now and the Lord's going to do with you to do some things in this church that you've never done. you got no experience in it. You think you got no talent or skill, but when he tells you to do it, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You're going to say, here I, here I am, Lord. Okay, here we go. If you say I am, I am. Uh, Mark 11 and about verse uh, 15. They come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer or allow that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. The scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. Now we see something that Jesus definitely did not like. But I think a lot of times people have focused on a very narrow part of this and missed the bigger picture. What was it that, that bothered him so bad about it? Now, one thing we've got to understand is Jesus did not lose it here. He never lost it. In fact, if you read the whole story, you'll see that he came here the day before. And he surveyed the place, and he, he'd been here numerous times before, and he watched everything carefully, and I'm sure he was troubled and, and angered, and he did not do one thing. He left, went back. You know why he did this? Because he was led to do this. Did y'all hear me? He said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. He was specifically directed by the father to do this. So we are seeing 
Everything Jesus said and did is a direct revelation of the will of the Father God. When you, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. You've seen the Father. So we're looking at the will of God. This is something, something greatly displeased the Father. What was it? What was it? Let's back up and, and talk some about it. In verse 15 again. He threw out those that were selling and buying and, and overthrew their, the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. I mean, he physically was throwing stuff. If you read the other accounts, he had a little whip and he ran out the livestock. Now, let's just stop right here. What would a bunch of livestock be like in the sanctuary? Stinky, noisy, right? You got the animals, you got the sounds they're making, you got their food, you got the smell. Is there something wrong with this? This is supposed to be, Jesus said, what is this supposed to be? A house of prayer. And it's a livestock barn. What else was it? Overthrew the tables of money changers, so you got the haggling. How much for that? Oh, it's one hundred and thirty-five dollars. I give you ninety-five. No, one hundred thirty. Ninety-five once, ninety-five twice, ninety-five five, ninety-five eight, ninety-six, ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. This is in the sanctuary, in the temple. I submit to you, the big problem was more than an animal. It was more than money changing hands. It was blatant disrespect, wasn't it? And dishonoring God and his things. And this is a very big lesson we need to learn. And know, and you have, nobody has arrived in this. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. Look with me in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel, a verse that's very near and dear to, to my heart, 1 Samuel 2 and 30. In fact, if you've ever noticed at the Branson Church, we have some of these words in giant letters across the top of the opening of the stage. 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, Wherefore the Lord of, of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Be it far from me. And if you look at the previous verses, they had, they had uh, totally disrespected the offerings of God. They were stealing offerings. The ministers were sleeping with the women that were coming and they were just totally disrespecting the things of God. And he said, I had said that I was going to use you and your family from now on, but now it's not going to be so. Why? Because them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me, which is the opposite of being honored, shall be lightly esteemed. God will do with you whatever you do with him. You treat him and his things as trivial and insignificant. 
He'll treat your things as unimportant. You honor his things, he'll honor you. Now friend, there's nothing you should desire more than being honored of him. You, you shouldn't think too much about people honoring you. It is so trivial and it lasts about that long and people are so fickle and they'll vote you king today and stone you tomorrow. Is that right? But when the Lord honors you, the Lord honors in numerous ways. I mean, one of the biggest honors is, is him manifesting his presence in your life and in your situations. When you had a need and God met your need, he honored you. Right? When you're sick in your body or your babies were sick and you reached out to him and, and he healed you and kept you from dying young and kept you from having to do all this stuff, he honored you. When he promotes you and blesses you and helps you, who gets that? Not everybody. Who gets that? Only those that honor him. That honor him. Now, if we're going to walk with him, we have to begin to learn how to think like he does. The Bible said, don't be conformed to this world, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, God is very, very big on honor. He's very big on it. The word, same word translated honor is translated glory. Same word, many times. And it literally means heavy or weighty with everything good. In those days, you didn't swipe credit cards when you wanted to buy something. If it was something that was real expensive, you needed to bring the heavy stuff. Right? The gold, the silver. And they had to balance, you know. And if, if, you, if this thing was really expensive, then you might have to have X amount of uh, shekels or even a talent of gold to buy that thing. Well, when, when it took something that was super heavy to buy it, that meant this thing is really expensive. It's really valuable. And so what we're talking about is what you esteem really valuable. What is precious to you? What is important to you? Let me read some scriptures. Listen to, you don't have to turn to all these, just listen to a few of them. Leviticus 19.30. Leviticus 19.30, he said, you, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Everybody say reverence. reverence. My sanctuary. Is that what they were doing? Bringing all those cows and all that stuff in there? No, no. Psalm 89, 7. Psalm 89, 7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. God is to be honored. He is to be reverenced. We are, this, this current generation is suffering from the effects of the 60s and 70s. There is such blatant disrespect and dishonor from children disrespecting their parents 
to students disrespecting their teachers, to employees disrespecting their employers, and it just goes all the way. And you know why? What it's all rooted in is disrespect for God. If you're disrespectful to people, it's because you're disrespectful to God. Always. You don't just flip a switch when you start praying and become somebody else and what's in you comes out. And friend, we want God to be able to bless us and help us and use us and honor us. And it's only going to happen as and if we learn what? How to honor him. There's such a looseness, friends, isn't there? Such a looseness concerning, you know, one of the key phrases that have been popularized is whatever, whatever. Uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland, a lot of you know him and Miss Gloria, wonderful friends of ours, uh, we've had the privilege of fellowshipping with, described one of his first recording sessions, one of the first music projects that he ever did. Was able to go into the studio. Of course it cost money. And he didn't have his own musicians and singers. So he had some people that he was. That were very good studio musicians. He was having come in. And there was a song he was working on. Now I don't know if you ever done anything like this. But it's work. You don't just go in there and sing a song. And go okay that's it great let's go home. You come in. It takes hours and hours to get the instruments right. And the sound right. Then you lay this track. Then you lay this track, then you lay that track, and you lay another track. I mean, it is long, hard work. Well, there was this particular song, and he wasn't happy with it, and they had worked on it for several hours, and he said, guys, I'm sorry, but I, I'm not happy with that. Let's come, and one guy, one of the guitar players just spoke up. He said, well, now, what is that? He said, this is plenty good enough for gospel music. <laughs> well, if you don't bring anything about Brother Kenneth. You knew smoke come out of his ears at that point. And he sent them packing, as he should have. But even though people don't always say it, this mentality is widespread. Well, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, you know, one of the big things churches brag about? How much money they saved. That's what they brag about. We didn't get the good one. We didn't get the top stuff, but we saved the Lord some money. <laughs> really? When's he going to get all this money? People are saving for him. Never. This affects every area of our lives, friends. Go with me to Malachi. If you don't know where Malachi is, go to Matthew and start backing up. In Malachi, the first chapter, verse 6, he said, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Now, now God is speaking here. He said, if I be a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Our reverence is also used for this word. Says the Lord of hosts, O priest that despise my name. And they said, when did we despise your name? Here's something very helpful. We just got through reading in 1 Samuel, God honors those that honor him. But those that despise him, 
shall be lightly esteemed. Now, most folk could say, oh, I wouldn't despise God, and yet they're doing it a lot more than they think. In the scripture, to just fail to respect something is despising it. Because if you treat it as inconsequential, as insignificant, as unimportant, that is despising it. That is treating it as though it is of no worth or little worth. That is despising in Bible language. And so he tells them, you've despised my name. He tells his preachers, you've despised my name. And they said, what, when? When did we do this? How many understand when the Lord tells you you did something, it is not time for you to argue with him. (laughs) Have some sense. The Lord says, you've despised my name. What's it time to do? Put your nose in the ground, on, the, on the ground and say, God, forgive me. Because you know he's right. Let me give you a piece of advice. He's always right. Every time. He's always right. <laughs> Keep going. They said, where have we despised your name? He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, where have we polluted you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And you offer lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer him to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? They were giving God cheap junk. Cheap. The sick, the broke, the ones that were diseased, that were going to die anyway. If it was a nice animal, no, you don't offer him. That's, That's just, don't take him to church. Put him in the fire. Get some, make some money. Did you know this is what happened with Cain and Abel? You remember that? It was time. Did you know the first murder in the world occurred over an offering? Offerings are important. They're a very big deal to God. And uh, Cain did just said he brought of the fruit of the ground. And it's obvious that his heart wasn't in it and that it wasn't his best. But you know what uh, Abel brought? You know what Abel brought? He brought Fluffy. (laughs) He went out to his flock and he said, I'm going to bring God an offering. Which, Which one do I get? And he saw Jake and he thought, I can't give Jake. Jake's got that funny thing with his shoulder there. I can't. And he, and, he, and he, Spot, nah, Spot looks kind of weird. I can't. And he went all the way through, and, and then he saw Fluffy. Fluffy. Hey. <laughs> Fluffy had won the blue ribbon at the fair. Fluffy had perfect breeding genes and line. Fluffy, I mean, when you looked in the dictionary by perfect sheep, Fluffy's picture. Was that? And he said, that's it, that's it, that's Nobody is making him do this. So he brought Fluffy and offered Fluffy to God. And the, the book of Hebrews says, by his offering, he is still talking today. Well, we're talking about it here in Sarasota. Fluffy is still talking. The offering is still speaking. What's the big deal? 
the honor. The honor. The honor, the love, the faith. Everybody say honor. honor. And see, since he honored God like he did, God honored him by putting him permanently in the Word. He's got his own verses in Hebrews 11. We're talking about him. I reckon this will be remembered forever. Has God honored Abel? He goes on to say in uh, verse 12, Malachi 1, 12, you have profaned it and you say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit, his meat is contemptible. You say, behold, what a weariness it is. When, even sighing can be disrespect. Come on, guys, we didn't do this over the church. Ah, I'm busy. I got things to do. Well, then stay at the house. Your gift is not acceptable. The Lord doesn't want you begging people to come. That's why you don't hear me asking for offerings and money and pulling on people. It's a privilege for you and me to get to give. The thought that the giver would accept something from us, that he would receive it. See, people have some goofy ideas. You've seen it too many times that people say, well, you know, I'm busy and, and I got this and that. Well, okay. God will use somebody else. In order to be used of him, he has to be important to you. His things have to be. It has to be important enough to you to prepare beforehand, to get up and be there on time, to spend the extra money, get the good stuff, do it right. Why? Now, sure, you know, there's always more that you can do, but do the best that you can now. Do the best for where you are now and then believe to God to come up later. Right? But it shouldn't, it should never be because you just despised it and said, oh, you know, get the $5 one. It's just over at the church. They just use it once a week, you know. Ain't no big deal. It's a very big deal. That is despising the Lord. And his things. is treating it like it's not worth anything. It's nothing. And if you do that, what did he say? He's going to treat you and your stuff like it's not worth anything. I know folks don't like that, but am I quoting scriptures? It's real simple. Let's just step up and honor him. Right? Is this your heart right now? Say it out loud. Let's pray right now. Father God, forgive us. Forever despising, Forever despising or failing to honor you, your people, your word, your church, your ministry, your things, forgive us. Doing it ignorantly or otherwise, teach us, open our eyes, our hearts and minds, show us what's important to you and we will treat it as important. And we will honor you and thank you in advance for honoring us when we do. Amen. So be it in Jesus' name. Keep reading. He said, what a weariness it is. And you've snuffed at it. Uh, you brought what was torn and lame and sick. You brought it. Should I accept this of your hand? Says the Lord. The Lord doesn't accept all offerings. But cursed be the deceiver which has in his flock a male and vows and sacrifices to the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. 
What's good enough for the Lord? Only the best you can do. Right? This is not just talking about giving money and things. This is talking about every area of our life. It's talking about how you see things, how you talk about things, how you respond. When you honor him, your heart is the key thing. Say it out loud. It's all about your heart. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. It's the heart of the giver that makes the gift acceptable. To the Lord. Listen to uh, Ezekiel 22. Put that up for us. Ezekiel 22:26. It said, "He said her priests have violated my law. They've profaned my holy things. They've put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. Should you put a difference between God's things and just common things?" Should you put a difference between a stock barn and a feedlot and the sanctuary of the Lord? Should you put a difference between a holy service of the Lord where the word's coming forth and the spirit's moving and a market atmosphere with haggling and bartering and buying and selling? Should there be a difference? There should be a great difference. That's one of the reasons I've asked you, don't do business on these premises. If something starts, say, hey, let's talk about that tomorrow. Let's meet over there at the office or the restaurant or whatever. Don't do it here. Right? Let this, let this be a holy time. Now, this building, these grounds, this is not the church. You are the church. We're the church. But we come together here. Right? And it can be a holy place and a holy time because of our heart. And because of honoring him, and you watch it, you watch it, I've seen it. The more you do this, his presence just gets stronger and stronger in the building, around the place, in the services. Why? Well, he's honoring us. One of the greatest ways somebody can honor you is by showing up at your thing. It's your party or your house or whatever, you know, if, if the, this super important person, they showed up at your place and they were there. Well, isn't that an honor? Didn't they honor you by coming? Well, God honors us by showing up in the service, by being here, by manifesting. He's always here, but he's not manifested to the same degree all the time. Somebody say glory to God. People have asked me about dress. And, uh, I, you know, some, some places I go, I, I don't always wear a tie, but I usually wear my better stuff. No, I always wear my better stuff if I'm speaking in a church or I'm doing this. And, you know, that's not so popular nowadays. Uh, I got a lot of my friends, they wear raggedy T-shirts when they preach. And somebody says, well, it don't matter. It don't matter. Actually, it does. Uh, now, Ties and coats, that's just a Western thing. You know, that doesn't even necessarily mean you're dressed up in some parts of the world. What is the difference? You shouldn't have to have a lot of money and expensive clothes to come to church. But 
You sh- if you got two t-shirts, wear your good one. If you got two pair of uh, jeans, wear the one that has the least amount of holes and stains and clean them. Right? Show some respect. See, you got people that will come in with their slouchiest, smelliest stuff. They wouldn't dare go meet with a banker like that. They wouldn't, do, they wouldn't go to these places. They show more respect in secular business meetings than they do in the church. Well, I just like to be comfortable. <laughs> so, Brother Keith, do you know where you are? You're in Florida. I know. And we're not talking about any kind of dress code. Don't go out of here and say, I said something about a dress code. I didn't say anything about a dress code. What did I say? Do your best. Who can't do that? Just just show some respect. Right? Not to me, per se. To the Lord. To his word. To his things. If you're going to give it an offering, and you've got lots of money, don't put $2 in there. I know a lot of folks don't like that. but Read Malachi. Right? Give him, don't give God the leftovers. Don't give him the junk. Give him the first. Give him the best. Don't wait until you're worn out and can't even pay attention and you're going to read your Bible at midnight. Give him the first. Give him when you're bright, when you're sharp. Give him your total undivided attention. Come on, are you listening to me, saints? Give him your best, not the leftovers, not the rest. Honor him. Will this make a difference in your life, saints? Oh, the, can you see how this applies to every area? And you start doing this in front of your kids, you're going to be teaching them by example. It's not about rules. It's not about being stiff. It's not about being, you know, legalistic. No, 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 no. But you can get in the ditch on either side of the road. Can't you? Everybody's got to wear a certain kind of uniform. Everybody's got to do this kind of thing. And they got to come in single file. And, and oh, you can't say, you can't laugh, can't have any fun, you know. Got to show respect. No, that's not respect. That's fear. That's bondage. But then people get out of that ditch, go all the way across the road, and they're like, oh, man, it don't matter, you know, just whatever, anything's okay. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Let's do our best. And you know how you show God respect? By treating other people this way. Doesn't hurt for us to uh, say yes, sir, and uh, no, ma'am, and. I am in the South, am I not? And, uh, and, and treat people and, and defer and say thank you and, and please. and hmm? Treat people with respect. and Treat their time with respect. You know, one thing I started practicing years ago is if I call somebody. I don't just jump into a long explanation of something. I have interrupted them. They might have been doing something really important. I lead by saying, are you busy? Are you in the middle of something? Treat people with respect. Favor will begin to flow to you right and left. I remember I had a problem with my car back years ago. And uh, I brought it to a place. 
And man, it was a madhouse around there. It was like, you know, getting off time, 5, 30, 6 o'clock, whatever, and it was just covered up. And I was way back in the back, and, and I finally got to the place, and, and this guy came, and boy, he was sweating, and, and his hands were dirty, and he had a uniform on that was disheveled, and he looked at me and said, well, what can I do for you? And, and I looked at him, and, and he says, his name, and I said, Mr. So-and-so. I said, I can see you are really busy. Do you not have time to get to me today? I, I, can, I can come back. And he said, when I said mister, he looked up and looked me in the eye like he hadn't heard it in a long time. He said, uh, where's your car? I said, it's, it's way back there. He, he looked around and he said, bring him out over here in the stall. <laughs> I'm bringing my car around. People are looking daggers through me like, what, what did you do? You slipped him some money. No, something worth more. Come on, are y'all listening to me? I wasn't trying to do anything underhandedly. I just treated him like he was valuable, like he was important. Friends, it makes all the difference in the world. Can you see, I endeavored to honor him in doing that. I wasn't just respecting him. I was respecting the one that made him. And in just that little bit of an honor, just like that, God honored me with favor. And I got what I needed done. I didn't, didn't even ask for it. I've seen this kind of thing over and over. We live in a too busy society, right? People live in their own little world. They are so preoccupied and so busy and they roll up and I don't have time and you got to get out of my way and I got to have this and hey, I paid for this and you owe me this and no, 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 no. That is just like unsaved people. You need to come in with some peace and some joy. Are you, are you with me, friends? You need to come in with some faith and some patience. And you need to treat people like they're valuable because they are to God. Right? It, no matter how big of a mess they may be, they're valuable to Him. And you treat them like that and you honor Him, He will honor you. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Just close your eyes. Focus on Him for a moment. Oh, Lord, we worship You. We focus on You and magnify You. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.